This is the Education Business Podcast for consultants and business owners providing services in schools. I'm Claire Riley, and I'll be sharing how to start, grow, and scale your education business. So today we're talking about what you need to consider before you hire your first employee or freelancer into your company. And I'm deep diving into getting your first team members with a five-part mini-series. So this is the second recording of a two-part episode. So if you haven't listened already, then now is the time to go and listen to Things to Consider Before You Hire Your First Freelancer or Employee, Part 1, where I covered understanding what you really need help with, making time for the big event, getting clear on the systems and processes, having the right mindset, thinking about how many people you really need, and researching how much it could cost. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about money a whole lot more, plus some other things to consider. So I've got points 7 to 12, and here we go. So the seventh thing that you need to consider then when you're hiring your first freelancer or your first employee is the employer costs. So you've already researched the hourly rates because we've talked about that. But have you thought about the real cost? Now, each employee is different depending on their circumstances. But you can get an idea of what it's going to cost. So for salaries, and I do it even now, I like to use a calculator online. And if you just search into Google real cost of an employer, uh, an employee, it shows you all the costs. So things like the pension, the national insurance. So what you pay and then what you pay on your employee's behalf um, that comes from them and then what you actually pay them as well. So you see all in full. And if you choose a good one, it should show you the full annual salary They'll break it down into months and also the weekly cost as well. And I think this exercise can be really helpful as well when paying freelancers because you're able to see then what should be factored in to the rate when you're paying them because you're not going to be responsible for any of those costs. So you might be thinking, oh, I'm paying a freelancer really well. But if you're not paying for all the extras, then that's actually coming off the freelancer's hourly rate. So it's coming from their own pocket, which is why freelancers you know, should be paid more. And they could start to resent it if you don't pay them fairly. So also to consider with freelancers then, who is it who's going to set the rate? So when I worked with freelancers, I set the rate, not them. And that's because I was working with teachers who were only self-employed to work for me. Um, And that's a whole other episode, working with a teacher who's only self-employed to work for you. And I'm going to be covering that as an episode in this mini-series. So another cost to factor in then for employees and for freelancers alike is software. So you might not have any now, but do you need it to be efficient? And should you use a software? So we limped along on email for so long. And, you know, we wasted so much time and money. But at the time, I didn't just step away from the business and look at it and see that that was happening. I was just so busy in it and I never took time to go for walks or reflect on things that if I'd have stepped back, I'd have realized that we were wasting so much time and things could have got quicker. Another thing to consider, you know, will they be coming to an office, whether they're an employee or a freelancer? Is that going to require heat, light, tea, coffee? Because these are all cost to factor into each employee as well. Um, Are you going to be providing technology for them? If they're remote, you're going to have to post it to them. So what I want you to do is 
knock up a spreadsheet once you've answered all these questions to work out the true annual cost and then you can work out from that obviously roughly how much it's going to cost per month and it'll make you feel so much more clear and confident that you're doing the right thing in looking to employ somebody or not perhaps it'll help you know so i think it's important to point out at this stage that i thought that i needed to have someone's full yearly salary in the bank before i employed them Yep, that's how I did things. And then I realized as we grew that that was impossible. Um, having, you know, the whole company's salary in the bank to start with, that that wasn't a thing when you, when you grew the team. And when I think about that, wanting to have somebody's full salary in the bank before I even sort of put the job advert out, it's like I didn't believe that getting somebody in the company would actually help me increase the revenue. I just believed that they would cost me money. And so I feel like a good marker is to give them three months to fly and turn it into revenue. And if they're not doing that, then that's something you need to deal with, um, whether that be through coaching, more training, performance management. You know, when they've been with you three months, you don't really have to go through that anyway. Um, but what is it that you need from them to get to that point where they are helping you create revenue? So I think a good measure is to have three months worth in the bank if you're feeling particularly risk averse, but you don't need to because somebody will start and then they don't need to be paid for a month. And so there's time, there's always time. Okay, point eight then, are you paying yourself? So if you're still paying yourself the minimum that your accountant suggests, can you really afford an employee? Nobody is going to do the work for the same kind of salary that you've been doing it for. You know, if your only concern is keeping money in the business like I did. So I literally paid myself enough to keep my national insurance contributions going. And I'm sure there are some people who are listening to this who can really relate. But it wasn't enough to make me feel valued. And feeling valued was something that I was really struggling with, although I didn't recognize it, right up until the beginning of this year, 2021. So that's a long time. That's eight years into my business. So I'm not saying that you need to be paying yourself this huge salary before you take someone on. I'm not saying that at all. I get that you need this person to grow your business. But what I am saying is that you need to be at least trying to pay yourself more than the minimum and have an incremental plan where each quarter you measure if you're getting paid more than you did the quarter before and up it if possible. So it's really easy for us to think, oh, we're doing this great thing by saying, I'll give myself a big payout in five years and it will all have been worth it. And I'll have done this amazing thing and I'll have supported all my employees and they'll all love me for it. And, you know, if you're thinking that, the reason why I know you're thinking that is because that's where I've been. But as somebody who got to five years and didn't get this big payout, and to be fair, when I think back, it was possible to get the big payout, but I spent it on very sensible things instead. That's where I put the money. Um, so it didn't feel like we saw the money. But I'm encouraging you to start increasing the amount that you're getting now, little by little. So you do know that you're valued and you do feel like you're getting your worth out of it as well. So if you don't do this, then you could really start to resent your employees that you take on and they won't understand the situation that you're in. They'll probably have a perception of you're the company owner and you've got X, Y, and Z. 
And why should they understand it? Because they aren't responsible for it. You are. Only you and your mindset controls what you get paid. So number nine then, how are you going to pay your freelancer or your employee? You need to consider this. So if you've decided on an employee, then I'm telling you that unless you're experienced in this area, and I mean payroll, it's really easy to get it wrong. So any good accountant can calculate your payroll for you. So generally, they don't really help with the HR, HR side of things, such as the sick pay and the holiday entitlement. They're just going to do as you instruct them. So you need to know what you're doing. So the cost of that then is another thing to factor in, as well as all the other costs that I talked about in point seven. So it might be that your accountant is already organizing your own payslip and they're just going to add any employees to your payroll for a fee. If you're going to hire a freelancer, then how are you going to pay them? Is it per job or are you going to pay them at the end of the month? So I want you to consider what's going to make it easiest for you. And this is important to think about, especially if you want to scale the number of freelancers that you've got. So again, it also depends on what kind of freelancer they are. If they're a freelancer because you're saying they should be in order to work for you, then you have a little bit more control as opposed to if they're a freelancer off their own back. So you may not be able to make decisions around, you know, when somebody gets paid, if that freelancer has other clients and their own systems in place, but you can certainly make suggestions that work for you both. And don't forget as well that freelancers do need to invoice you in order to get paid. So the 10th thing to think about when um, you're looking to hire your first freelancer or employee is how are you going to deal with HR? Oh my word, this is just one of the hardest things and I struggled with this so much. I was so inexperienced. I always felt I was knee deep in contracts. I think I must have had oh a fair number of staff before I took the leap to get somebody in-house. I did have a, a company, but I needed somebody in-house and it was probably around the 30 mark and I was really struggling, I'm not going to lie. Um, and I didn't know how to deal with management issues as well. So in the early days, we just ignored them, and which was terrible. I'm glad I did it though because it's, it's taught me so much to teach you. But HR was the last depart department I actually brought into the company when it should have been the first, to be honest. You know, you can't just go and download a contract from the internet because you need to know that it's right for you. Where do you even start with an employee handbook? Did you know that you needed one? What are the policies and procedures that you should have in place? Because I knew none of this. So unless you really love HR and you want this to be your job, and more importantly, you're experienced and you know what needs to be done, then you're going to have to outsource for help at the very, very least. So the good news is that lots of consultants offer packages where they'll do a certain amount of work um, in HR fee each month. And you can have different levels as well. Sometimes you can have um, them attend um, serious meetings if you want, or you don't have to. You can just ring them and get the advice. Uh, they can do contracts for you. They can do all sorts of things. But I can't stress how much that you need this in your life to get it right from the off. Okay, so the 11th thing to think about then is what needs to be in this contract? And, you know, it could be that you get help with this, but you don't need to have the contract finalized before you start the process of hiring. 
But if you do employ someone, then they do have to receive that contract before they start. Um, so it never used to be like that. There used to be a bit of leeway time after they started, but not anymore. Now they have to get it before they start. So if it's an employee, as I mentioned before, then a good HR company can help with that. And if it's a freelancer, then you might want to go to a solicitor. We went to a solicitor and had a contract drawn up just to make sure that the contract really meets your needs because they'll also advise on what clauses are and are not feasible based on what you want as well if it's a freelancer. Um, and as an education company, it's likely that you're going to be dealing with IP. So you do need to be clear on who owns what and make sure that you know you both signed a contract. And the last thing to consider then before you hire your first employee or freelancer is what do you want the culture to be? So this is a question that you might not even be able to answer yet, but just know that you hugely influence the culture. The interactions that you have with your team, they're going to set the stage. So think carefully now about how you interact and how you want to interact. And as you continue to add team members to your team, the culture will continue to shift. So if you think if you employ one person and there's you, then you're changing the culture by 50%. And then if you employed another two people, you'd be changing the culture again by 50%. So you really need to think carefully about how you're acting and what kind of culture you're trying to create. And keep your eye on it. Keep your eye on the culture. So this is going to be a really big area of personal development for you to step into. So if you haven't already and you're seriously thinking about hiring people and working with people in this way, then you've got to start your personal development in leadership to equip you for the journey ahead because it's going to be an exciting journey. It's not going to be boring, but it's not easy. And you need to be really open to feedback and learning about yourself and learning about others and what motivates people. And it just makes me really excited. So I'm excited for you. So I want to finish by saying that in my experience, you need people to help you grow. That's grow personally, but also for your company's growth. You can't do all of it alone if you want to make your company really profitable. And the right people can help you grow quickly in a stable way. But the wrong people can help you grow quickly in an unstable way or they can stunt your growth. And you've got the responsibility to find the right people. You've got a responsibility to nurture those people. And you've also got a responsibility to act if you realize that you don't have the right people. So having a team is a wonderful thing. And I'd never go back to working without a team. Um, I found it quite lonely. But it does come with great responsibility. And once you've got team members, there's always something extra going on that someone is having to deal with. And that's a really important thing to be aware of. It's part of life. You're not just dealing with people. You're also dealing with people's lives and all the things that happen in people's lives. So I hope this episode has been helpful and that you're enjoying my mini series on hiring. So next time I'm going to be talking about the step-by-step -step process of hiring. So we'll be talking about interviews and job specs and things like that. And if you're interested in working with me from September in either a group situation or a one-to-one -one capacity, then you can register your interest at educationbusinessclub.co.uk forward slash mentoring 2021. 
Thank you for listening to the Education Business Podcast. To get more information to grow your business, sign up at educationbusinessclub.co.uk.